Hello, my name is Adam Eason. Welcome to episode 67 of Hypnosis Weekly. Hello hypnosis friends and a very warm welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Once again, in my own highly biased opinion, I think I have a wonderful show lined up for you today. In a short while, I'll be sharing with you an interview with my guest Rory Z. Fulcher. Then we'll have uh, this week's Hypnosis in the News stories, examining the media where hypnosis is featured. I'm going to offer up some personal subjective commentary on the way hypnosis is portrayed in the media, but also comment on some of the content of those media stories. We then return with our professional discussion with my guest Rory Fulcher. We'll be talking about rapid inductions and I'll say a bit more about that later. We'll round things off with this week's hypnosis evidence-based factoid before I bid you farewell for another week. As I say at the beginning of every Hypnosis Weekly episode, this podcast is something that I want to encompass a feeling of embracing diversity, celebrating the field of hypnosis and encouraging friendly, professional, enjoyable discussion and debate, as well as doing its best to inform and educate. I do not share the same stance as most of our guests and at times have major differences in approach and leaning, but all are incredibly lovely people who I'd happily talk with until late in the pub and all of whom, following their time here on Hypnosis Weekly, I have a great deal of respect for. If you have questions, queries, thoughts or feedback, do get in touch via the Hypnosis Weekly website. All the references made in the discussions, along with related links, are posted at each episode on the website www.hypnosis-weekly.com. That's just hypnosisweekly with a hyphen in the middle, dot com. You can add your thoughts, comments and make any suggestions there too. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else to help us reach more of the hypnosis community. It's greatly appreciated. If you enjoy this podcast, then please do give us a favourable rating, even a review at iTunes. I'll be your BFF if you do. Additionally, any uh, listener to the Hypnosis Weekly podcast can get a 20% discount on all my advanced online hypnosis trainings. Um, Just visit uh, my college website, aecollegeofhypnosis.uk. You can use the code PODCAST20. You'll get a 20% discount. Oh, yeah, baby. So first of all, today is this week's interview. Our proposed schedule uh, has been altered a little bit uh, this 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 past week due to my Mac dying on me. Um, I resisted the urge to basil faulty the last remnants of electronic life from its motherboard by whipping it with a tree branch and instead pulled childish aggressive finger signals at it to demonstrate how displeased I was. I've had to buy a new machine for my office. Um, so things things have just just kind of kind of changed a little bit with regards to our schedule. So I'm absolutely delighted that we'll have Rory Fulcher on the show today. We then have a special edition out next week featuring um, and, and, and talking about focusing on hypnotherapy organisations and governing bodies. We then welcome the Titan that is Freddie Jackwin, and then Sean Schwer's edition will go live um, before a bunch of other wonderful guests. On to today then. Um, This week's guest, Rory Z. Fulcher, uh, is a real character, a showman when you meet him in real life. And it was partly due to that that I invited him on the show. I met him at the UK Hypnosis Convention last year. 
but was aware of him online and had some exchanges briefly with him in years gone by. And as with so many of our guests, he has a real love for the field, a passion for it, he has his own individual approach and, 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 and has had his own journey within the field. So we're going to explore a little bit in the first part of today's show. I'm delighted he's on the show. Uh, for now, get comfy, my friends. Turn up the volume. Sip on your tea. Enjoy this week's interview. <music> So, as I've just been discussing, I'm delighted to be joined on Hypnosis Weekly, this time round, by the one and only Rory Fulcher. Rory, welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Hi, thanks for having me. So, um, Rory, t- l- 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 let's hear something about you. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got into this field, what your background is, and how you've arrived at, at where you are now. Okay, sure. Um I kind of developed um, an interest in hypnosis or all things hypnosis um, during my sort of teen period Mm. and uh, that kind of came about I I was very into reading fiction books and stories about you know vampires and all sorts of you know horror things like that Um, and there was a lot of hypnosis mentioned within those books and it it, it kind of the the more I read the more it kind of drip fed I, I decided I would like to learn a little bit about this hypnosis thing and whether it was real and whether it was something that you could actually learn to do yeah. So, you know, that's that's kind of the 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 starting point for me. So I went out to uh, a, a bookshop because uh, that was before I had any kind of Internet um, and picked up the only book that they had on the subject, which for me was a very good in, uh, initial introduction to kind of what hypnosis was, how to do it. And from having that book, I I. I did begin to use it and begin to practice on myself, mainly. Cool, cool. <laughs> cool. So, so it, it started off with 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 almost a leaning to wanting to mesmerise in vampiric style, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and led and led to you exploring it. Where, whereabouts are you at as far as hypnosis is concerned? You know, um, 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 how, how do you define it these days? You know, when people ask you about it. Um, um, how do you explain it or how do you explain hypnosis to your clients, your students and and perhaps you know you can give us an idea of, of how you arrived at that definition and if you've always been in the same place with regards to it uh, yeah it's it's probably changed over time it's definitely changed since that you know before reading that initial book yeah. um, for, for me now hypnosis the, the definition, the way that I uh, explain it to people, it can be kind of fluid based on the person or the group of people that I'm, I'm speaking to at the time course, um, yeah. and what their expectations are, what I'm expecting of them in that particular scenario. So, yeah, it, it can it can be fluid. And obviously, as we know, uh, a, a definition of hypnosis is a tricky thing to nail down. <laughs> yes, it eludes us. Yes. Um, but for me, um, it would be something along the lines of a a natural state of focused attention, um, sometimes a kind of unfocused <laughs> attention, mm. if you will, um, in which we are pretty much in control of ourselves, of our faculties, of, you know, the things that we choose to do or not do within that state of hypnosis. 
um, with uh, little um, a little dampening on our inhibitions potentially. Yeah, you know, kind of, kind of like having a, a, a glass of wine or something, um, but but not having a bottle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for most people anyway. You know, for, for the people who is is like a bottle, then you know, by all means, that's that's great. Come up on stage. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. And so, um, 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 how have you been influenced? You know, who who are some of your your major influences uh, throughout your career? Are there some some books and authors that have taught you more than others? Have there been teachers that have been more influential upon you? Um, perhaps you give us a, a little re an idea of some of the reasons why they, they impressed you or, or made an impression upon you. Sure, yeah. Um, the A great majority, especially from the outset of, of my career in hypnosis, um, was done using books and videos and you know yeah. um, non uh, non face to face work um, and a lot of that was was simply because I used to be ridiculously shy I you know I wouldn't talk to anyone I wouldn't even pick up the phone to people I was I was that that shy uh, which I was I used hypnosis uh, on myself to to get over that which I, yeah. I think I think I've done pretty well um, thus I mean, far. <laughs> I find that to be amazing. I'm um, seriously. I mean, I, I would never have known that. Um, certainly, on the brief occasions when I've encountered you in real life, you know, you are you are a large character. Um, you're a character, and you seem very comfortable in your skin. So, you know, I, I think that's that's a wonderful a wonderful testament to 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 to, to your progress and the application of of, of what we do. Sure. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. And um, I, I can't attribute it all to hypnosis or, or, or maybe I can. I'm not sure. But by integrating this hypnosis and the, these, the specific suggestions that I use and the techniques with pushing my boundaries more and, you know, doing new things that I wouldn't do uh, initially. But then again, would I have done those without the hypnosis? Probably not. So I guess it does all come down to that. But yeah, it, it's a testament to, to how well it can work for people. Um, and obviously there, there are much more, you know, interesting things that have been, has, hypnosis has been used for, you know, so gaining a bit of confidence is fairly low on the level of how, how interesting hypnosis can get. But um, it, it's, for me, it's a, a great personal experience of what what can be done and it, it really resonates with me also I, you know i stopped smoking that was one of the very first things that i did with hypnosis cool. from like 20 20 a day to zero and that, that that worked great too so um we've diverted from your initial yeah, I'm question sorry, i'm sorry yeah, that, that, that was my <laughs> fault but um I'm, yeah, yeah yeah books authors teachers sure that was it um well I, I said about the initial book that i bought uh that one uh was hypnosis for beginners by william hewitt i think mm. um which is, um, I, I still find myself, because I actually I found it the other day and I had a flick through it and I, I still find myself using some of the phraseology that's, you know, in, in that. Uh, I think the book was pretty much focusing on just one long progressive induction um, in, interspersed with information on what you can use hypnosis for, etc. But it didn't go into too much more detail, I believe. Mm. Uh, but that was enough for me to go out and kind of get started. Um as well as that, I one of the one of the first um, other books that I got was the NLP workbook by Joseph O'Connor. Oh yes, um, and I got that when I did a terrible online 
NLP uh, quote unquote diploma, um, <laughs> uh, and yeah, so so that was that was a part and parcel of that. But th- though the diploma itself was probably worth bugger all, um, the information that I got from that book um, was you know at, at the start it was kind of heavy going, and even now some sections of it are, are still fairly out there. But it's it's full of a lot of information that's, that's very useful, and obviously for me um nlp and hypnosis are very similar ideas and constructs um so i'm a big fan of taking nuggets of information and taking what works um and using them where where appropriate Uh, a couple of other books what uh monsters and magical sticks that was that was cool uh, my voice will go with you love love Erickson love his approaches although again trying to replicate Milton Erickson is uh, yeah like trying to <laughs> yeah, nail, you, nail you have your work cut out uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah uh, it, it, again it, it's something you know when when we're looking to improve ourselves obviously modeling other people who have had success is is a, a way of doing that and um, I've learned a lot from studying a bit of what Ericsson has done um uh, but again it's, uh, some of the texts on on Ericsson and his work are <laughs> a little heavy going and uh though i can string a sentence or two together i i'm uh, more of a fan of going out and doing it rather than reading the uh <laughs> the textbooks yeah 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 i understand <laughs> um, that and the only other one really for me to mention at the moment i think would be the encyclopedia of stage hypnosis by Orman McGill Orman McGill yeah, yeah. So that's a paperweight. Yeah, um, it really is. <laughs> and again, that, that's that's when I started out. I, I did a bit of hypnotherapy, and within a few months of doing that, I had transitioned to wanting to to do stage hypnosis because I liked music. Music was what I was doing at college at the time, um, but I wasn't particularly great at anything musical. Uh, so going down the entertainment kind of avenue um i figured hypnosis if i could do something entertaining with it as well then the more the better um and though there are some parts of that book that are slightly um outdated now such as if you can't get someone into trance just <laughs> press on their carotid artery uh, <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah probably wouldn't do that anymore <laughs> um <laughs> but there, there's so many so much in there that, that is very useful and even for therapists you know I, I i am a proponent of of stage hypnosis as a hypnotherapist and, and, and vice versa though i know that some hypnotherapists are very anti-stage hypnosis um but even you know regardless of what you think of that or that relationship between those two things um knowing the skills of a stage hypnotist it can be a very useful thing for a hypnotherapist to do to kind of broaden their horizons of what they can actually achieve in a therapy session absolutely absolutely you know what um um, i do i do an induction with children if ever i'm doing kind of pediatric applications of hypnosis i'm working with kids um, um, um i use an induction process that that that, that i sort of hatcheted together once purely influenced by the orman mcgill book which was using um using a a, a, an elastic band or rubber band around the hands Mm -hmm. um and 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 imagining the hand stretching out and and using that as a reference for them to imagine Mm -hmm. their hand then pulling in together afterwards um um yeah 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 and and it, it has some of the most hilarious pictures in it that book 
<laughs> um, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's worth buying just for the yeah. pictures. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so within within your teaching, within your, your, your demonstrations and your one-to-one -one work and the stage stuff and street stuff that you've done and that you do, tell me, um, Rory, what, what's, what's one of the most impressive applications of hypnosis that you've directly witnessed? Um, so, so directly witnessed, um, for me is generally stuff that I've done, um, simply because I don't tend to hang around that much with, with too many other, other hypnotists, yeah, no, um, no. for a lot of the time. I know there are, there are some guys out there who are always meeting up and all that kind of stuff, but, uh, I, I never seem to have done that very often um <laughs> but yeah this the the most impressive stuff i mean you know the regardless of therapy sessions because so many of those people yeah. make massive changes that you know people would expect them to take years and years of psychotherapy or something and they'll get over it in a session um that's impressive but yeah, yeah i i've personally done hypno anesthesia um there's actually a video of that on the on youtube i've um, done it a couple of times and with kate um dr kate bevan marks my co-trainer um and you stuck a piercing needle through her hand um and that's you know that's great fun I love doing that kind of stuff. Um, when I was doing um, shows with uh, Hypno Bros, um, my my colleague Ash, who has actually sadly passed away now, um, he, he was in a motorcycle accident last year. Um, but he like he. Um, we did the human bridge. Obviously, that's not something that I would tend to do with paying customers or anyone who, you know, is just coming <laughs> along to the show. Um, but because we were friends, you know, something that we pre-agreed that he, he would he would like to do. And, you know, so that is it's just a, a feat of the imagination and the, 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 the body working together in such a way that, you know, we, we tried to do it without hypnosis and sure you could do it for a little while, but within hypnosis, you could hold it for, you know, an hour probably. Um, so that, that kind of thing is, is very impressive. Um, not necessarily the kind of thing that you would be doing within your hypnotherapy sessions <laughs> to, to impress your clients beforehand. Um, <laughs> But yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, phob phobias though, especially like uh, I find any phobia session, they're generally like the quickest things to work with. Um, and people make massive changes in the things that they will and won't do, you know, from going to not wanting to go into a house because there's a tiny insect in there to, you know, having a, like having a spider on your hand at the end of the session. Yeah. You know, it's super cool stuff. Yeah. 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 It really is. It really is. Um, if we could, if we could wind wind the clock back, if we could go back to when you started out as um, um, as a hypnosis professional, um, knowing the stuff that you know now, um, is there anything you'd do differently, Rory? And and would you would you share that with us? And is there any advice that the person you are today would give that that younger version of you that you'd that you'd happily share with our listeners? Well. Um... I'm not sure when I became a hypnosis professional. Uh, <laughs> I've been doing hypnosis for going, going on for, what, 13, 14 years now, um, at which point I became a professional. I wouldn't be able to tell you. Uh, hey, maybe I haven't reached it yet. I don't know. Um, 
but if there's anything that I would do differently, it would have been to get more practice, to get as much practice as, as possible. Um, and also, I I, uh, I was guilty when I started out um, of using hypnosis scripts, um, but not necessarily that guilty because I kind of wrote the scripts myself. Oh. <laughs> so that's a saving grace. There. Yeah, I think um, so. You know, but uh, at the same time, it, uh, that that would be some advice uh, to to have given myself. Yeah, it, it's all well and good, you know, practicing writing out things that you would say during a hypnosis session, um, but maybe leave that at home when you actually go and work with someone. Sure, sure, <laughs> um, sure. So, for, yeah, for, me, for me, that's that's that, that that is diligent. That's diligent. Shows that you cared. And so on, you know. I think I think there's a big difference with the script. If someone was just picking up picking up a script book and just reading it, and, and essentially something that that anybody could do. Mm. Um, um, but you know, I appreciate. I heck, I appreciate your candle. Um, <laughs> um, um, so, um, where can people go to learn more about you, your work, your training, your approach to hypnosis, or, or anything else? Tell us a little bit about that first of all. Sure. Um, well, for, you know, if you want to learn more about me uh, personally, you could go to my website, which is rory-z.com uh, or rory-z.com if you're overseas uh, in the US, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but it's said. Um, and there, from from there, you can pretty much get to all of my stuff. Um, whether that is my, I've got a couple of books out on on Amazon, um, one on rapid inductions, and one is kind of my take on hypnotherapy. Uh, it's hypnotherapy for uh, the beginner's guide to hypnotherapy. Um, it isn't necessarily a beginner's guide. It kind of goes into a little more depth than that, but it's kind of aimed at people who have no experience of hypnosis. So it's it's, it's a good uh, kind of introduction to to this whole industry. I think um, it's 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 the book that I I wrote. That if I if I like you said if I went back in time, that would be the book that I want um, to start out with. Um, Otherwise, that there are links there to to my YouTube and to my Instagram, where you can see pictures of my beard that I just shaved off and all that kind of stuff. Um, you shaved it off. <laughs> I'm sorry. Every man that I say I, 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 I tell I've shaved my beard off, they they scowl at me or say something <laughs> derogatory. But, um, but also, they can see they can see they can also see pictures of the governor. Uh -huh. The governor breakfast oh, yeah. that that you and um, um, friends have been. Have been demolishing in in, oh, in the past I, week. I failed dramatically at demolishing <laughs> that breakfast, but yeah. but it was three about three and a three and a half thousand calories on a plate um, is is what we worked it out as. So you know, gave it a good old try. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> um, it's no mean feat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so so that's you know there is there is occasionally some hypno stuff on the Instagram, but not, <laughs> yeah. not always. Um, and yeah, otherwise, then uh, apart from all that stuff, the books and the DVDs. Uh, also, there's um, another book on Sam the Sleepy Sheep. You say you work a bit with children. I don't know if you've had a look at that book, um, but it's basically a hypnotic tale to get children to go to sleep at bedtime. Yeah. Um, that kate and myself wrote together and it's it's very nice yeah. really nice book um 
otherwise hypnotherapy training is um on hypnotc.com and i don't want to go into too much detail on that because i know that you run hypnotherapy training as well so you know. oh no no no, no. <laughs> this um, loads loads of people that are on this show run hypnotherapy trainings um, um yes. and um, um it's it's you know not about uh, uh you know as far as i'm concerned we are all a big hypnotherapy training family nice <laughs> yeah 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 cool. the cheese the cheesy lines we cra i crack yeah. them out on occasion um, <laughs> so the, the the we'll have a link to um um to the websites that rory's mentioned here over at this episode's page of the hypnosis weekly website for those of you listening um um thanks rory uh, we will be back with rory fulcher in just a few minutes time <laughs> I really enjoyed that. I particularly love that Rory's embryonic interest in the field of hypnosis was was generated by but by a love of all things vampire. Um, I think he's the first guest I've had on the show that's been inspired to explore our field via the undead. Um, at least he's the only one brave enough to admit it. Uh, more from Rory in a short while. On to this week's hypnosis in the news then. I'm going to mention three stories this week that are featured in the media. Uh, the first story is entitled... Get Out Movie Gets Facts Wrong About Hypnosis. So this article doing the rounds in hypnosis-related media circles online um, states that Hollywood has done it again. That is, with this suspense thriller, Get Out, the fiction trumps fact by luring audiences into a misguided understanding of hypnosis, according to this particular article, um, where uh, uh, the author says that hypnosis is portrayed as a form of mind control, a sneaky trick to manipulate human lives. And um, um, board-certified clinical hypnotherapist Sandra Norman of Positive Changes Hypnosis Centres says the film was captivating, but should be taken for what it is, just a scary movie. From the perspective of a real-life hypnotherapist, she says, the most chilling aspect of Get Out was its dangerous suggestion that hypnosis is some kind of evil tool for invading the minds of hapless victims against their will and getting them to do someone else's treacherous bidding. Such a portrayal is not only inaccurate, it's downright damaging to what she calls the honourable and professional healing practice of hypnosis. And, 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 and good on you, you know, all good so far. Um, I'm delighted when someone wants to educate the public about the correct portrayal of hypnosis. That's the reason I have this slot on the show each time round. So I applaud you, though by naming your article movie gets facts wrong about hypnosis, you need to make sure that you get your own facts right. And sadly, that doesn't happen consistently throughout the article. So explaining what hypnosis really is, the author states that hypnosis is, and I quote, um, that hypnosis uses a state of deep relaxation in which the client voluntarily permits the hypnotherapist to suggest positive thoughts and behaviours sought by the client, which the brain is most receptive to in an open and relaxed state. Okay, so I'm not going to go into the fact, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go into to, 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 to semantics here with regards to state because I think that's that's what's being referred to it is just semantics with regards to state you know everybody knows I'm, I'm a non-state theorist um, but nonetheless hypnosis and relaxation they are not correlated you know um, I've milked this point time and time again um, Eva Banier and Ernest Hilgard proved that 
backed um, with, with, with really credible scientific studies. You do not need to be relaxed in order to respond well to hypnosis or to be a good hypnotic subject. If you simply listen to um, and one of the previous editions of this podcast, for example, the one with Claude Ribot, um, you'll know about the very real phenomenon that is active alert hypnosis. You know, you, you'll know this. I shall not repeat all the things I've said in previous editions, but the truth is that hypnosis does not require relaxation. It's not a relaxed state necessarily. And this is great news for all of our anxiety clients who simply struggle to relax whilst overcoming their anxiety with us, eh? However, there is some redemption, you know, the author redeems herself um, 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 in my book as the article offers up some, some valid science. And I'm just delighted that she stuck her head above the parapet and defended the way that our field is represented in the media. For that, I doff my cap to you and hope you'll be my friend. Second article this week that's uh, been in the media um, um, that, that is just just has me skipping around gaily with joy is entitled Can Hypnosis Improve the Functioning of Injured Brains? And this is something that has featured in a number of different articles. Within the history of hypnosis, researchers have tended to be quite creative in their use of hypnosis. You know, experimental and clinical applications of hypnosis have needed to be, particularly in the early days of hypnosis research. If you follow my social media output, for example, you see that I offer up a lot of memes that share credible evidence base uh, that we have to be proud of in our field. Recently, I cited um, an old 1964 study by Fromm and colleagues, and I, I've studied a lot of Erica Fromm's work due to my own research on the subject of self-hypnosis, and her contribution to that subject matter has been massive. Um, but her, uh, her, her study um, suggested that um, 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 a bunch of healthy participants in the study, they were given um, hypnotic suggestions that they had suffered from an organic brain injury. And these brain, so-called brain-injured participants were then subjected to a blinded neuropsychological assessment and a group of observing neuropsychologists were asked to rate for each participant whether they were brain-injured. And the, 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 the hypnotised brain-injured participants had a much higher organicity rating than non-hypnotized controls. Now, this is amazing stuff. Um, but, 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 but back in the 1960s, then Fromm concluded um, um, and, and, and speculated that this effect could therefore be reversed. And that is that, that brain injured patients could be hypnotized to believe that they were not brain injured and um, that they should perform better under such conditions. Um, so that was back in the 1960s, and it's only today, only now, um, you know, over 50 years later, that a new study has been carried out specifically targeting working memory, the impairment of which is most prevalent following brain injury. And impaired working memory includes, you know, feelings such as distractibility, thinking is unreliable and strenuous. You know, some of us without brain injury may be aware of, of strenuous thought processes at times, but many brain injured persons experience it chronically and to such a degree that work and social relationships can't be maintained, for example. Unfortunately, working memory has also proven quite resistant to training and rehabilitation efforts, so it's regarded as a, as a chronic issue, understandably. And as expected then, um, patients in this study actually scored much lower 
than the healthy population at baseline on two measures of working memory. However, after four sessions of hypnosis, they improved on both outcome measures to slightly above the population means. So in other words, as a group, they did not behave like brain injured patients anymore, at least not on these outcome measures. And, you know, when you examine the study, the data implies that hypnotic suggestion works equally well for everybody with an acquired brain injury. And and this is magnificent stuff. Um, You know, it does have its critique, but the suggestion of what we can do and hopefully with some more study, this could be incredible news for our field and the rest of the world. I hope you'll join me in skipping gaily around as a result of this particular study and its implications. Um, Our third and final story this week um, is entitled Therapy Helped Me Through Chemo. And this is a story to feature in the Daily Mail. Um, uh, Lady Emma Cannon, who was diagnosed with breast cancer back in 2005, she used a combination of therapies to support herself through her treatment um, that she had at St George's Hospital in London. Um, a long-standing lump in her breast was eventually diagnosed as breast cancer. It spread into several lymph nodes and um, she was prescribed with surgery to have a lumpectomy, chemotherapy and radiotherapy. And she states that um, she felt um, that that conventional medical treatment, of course, would address the cancer. She also wanted something, something else, some additional complementary therapy to help to help with her her, her personal strength, help her tolerate the, the regime. And she states that she was actually more afraid of the chemotherapy than the cancer and so wanted to change her mindset. And she believed that and states that uh, the internal conflict she was experiencing had the, had the risk of causing tension, which she believed would limit her capacity to heal. So um, um, she sought the help of hypnotherapy, who um, she, she then told that hypnotherapist that she wanted to believe that chemo was actually an elixir of life and uh, would do nothing but good for her. And um, so the hypnotherapist hypnotized her, asked her to imagine going into the chemo ward for the first time. And instead of seeing it as a terrible, toxic, dirty place, they changed it into the Starship Enterprise, a place that was shining clean where this life giving liquid would be injected into her. And she claims and states that this visualization completely changed her mindset. It was um, 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 and it was just a you know, really wonderful experience for her. She subsequently had hypnotherapy before each of her 10 chemotherapy sessions. Um, She visualized her blood counts recovering between each session. Um, um, And and the doctors were surprised at how well she coped. You know, it's a wonderful story. it's, it's, It's backed up you know, because some of the scientific studies, for example, that relate to immune functioning are really impressive, too. Um, um, and, and, you know, it's a topic that I'm very familiar with and have researched greatly uh, hypnosis and self-hypnosis in, in relation to immune functioning and so on. So a couple of really lovely, uplifting stories this week, in contrast to me getting on one in some of the previous weeks. So this makes me happy. Links to these stories uh, referred to here listed on the page of this week's podcast episode on www.hypnosis.com hyphen weekly.com 
Next up, then, we have this week's professional discussion. I welcome back Rory Fulcher. Um, several of my friends and professional peers sat in on Rory's lecture and presentation at the UK Hypnosis Convention last year. Um, and some pretty stiff critics that I know thought that he was really good and dealt with some very challenging questions on the day really well. He has also taught this subject matter for a number of years and at times with some very prominent figures. And it was my main motivation for wanting to hear from Rory on this subject of rapid inductions. And it's something we're not really covered in depth uh, on any of our previous shows. So, um, and plus, heck, I wanted to know what his favourite induction is. So, next up, here is this week's professional discussion with Rory Z. Fulcher. Enjoy. <music> I'm rejoined uh, with this week's guest, Rory Fulcher. Um, when when I asked Rory to to come and guest on the show, um, um, I I also asked him if if we could discuss rapid inductions. Um, the main reason was, believe it or not, we've we, we've got all these episodes into this this podcast, and and it's something that's never been discussed. Um, um, yet yet it, it's a term that's that's you know that I think a lot of people will be very familiar with within our field. Um, Rory presented on this subject at the UK Hypnosis Convention um, um, last year, which was to the, the 2016 event. Um, and, and peers that, uh, peers of mine, professional peers of mine and, and friends um, um, had a, gave it rave reviews and 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 also i think you've got a couple of challenging questions um chucked in there that, that everybody said you dealt with beautifully impeccably and so on whereas you know when people ask me um really tough questions in lectures i tend to just give them the the stare of death um, <laughs> um so so rory first of all for anyone listening who, who doesn't know and um, um what what do we mean first of all what what is a rapid induction um, well, uh, rapid induction is, you know, when, when you're creating a state of hypnosis, uh, the majority, I say the majority, it's probably not the majority now, but a great many hypnotherapists, um, stage hypnotists too, I suppose, use a more progressive and more verbal style of inducing a state of trance. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, you know, you can say progressive relaxation induction. Not every progressive induction is quite as, as simplistic as that. And there are many different facets that will go into a, a progressive induction. Um, but fundamentally, um, you are creating that state of hypnosis using your language. Whereas um, with a rapid induction, a great majority of the time, the rapid induction, you're going into the same state of hypnosis, you know, because hypnosis is hypnosis. Sure. Um, but you're cutting to the chase um, by you, you either you're capitalizing either on shock, confusion, um, or in in some cases, uh, the interruption of a, a pattern that we would normally do. Um, and obviously, there are various different types of rapid induction that can achieve this goal. Um, but because most of them are physical in nature, they tend to happen a lot quicker than the, you know, the, the verbal, the progressive inductions. Um, does that kind of answer that question? Yeah, yeah, yeah sure, <laughs> sure. So, so before we start, we, 
we start really getting into some of the mechanics of, of inductions and process and so on. How has your interest in this in this come about? How has it developed? How come you are not in the stable of people primarily being led by a progressive um, induction type of process or, or, or something else? Um, 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 how, how is it that, that you had your interest peaked and that, you, you, you know, you, you are... Um, someone who speaks and teaches and, and has teach, taught with some, with some major names in the field with regards to this particular subject? Sure. Um, that's a lot of questions. Uh, yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> that, yeah, that was a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, so I didn't start out using rapid inductions. Um, uh, I, I did at least a month or two um, <laughs> of the progressive. Um, but then the, as soon as I started getting into the stage hypnosis side of things um, and was learning more about NLP as well, um, that's when rapid inductions kind of became apparent to me, or at least the idea that it didn't have to take a long time to get someone into a state of hypnosis. Um, and you know, coming coming further on from that, the, you know, there are people who who do hypnosis without inductions now. Um, I think James Tripp is uh, big on that um, hypnosis without trance, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, so some people would suggest that the induction process isn't always necessary, which I, I you know occasionally I would agree with. Um, but it does depend on the client or the, the people that you're working with to some extent as well. Um, but it just struck me as, you know, if you're if you're doing a session and say your session takes one, 50 minutes or an hour or something like that, um, and 20, 25 minutes of that is an, an induction, you know, a progressive yeah. induction script, whatever, um, then you could be saving yourself a lot of time cutting that process down and giving yourself much more time to work with that person that you have in front of you and potentially get more done that will help them faster and um, why why wouldn't you do that <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely absolutely um, um and i you know I, i'm of the opinion that a lot of people when they when they come to see a, a hypnotherapist even if the induction itself is not necessarily hugely important or doesn't offer up a massive amount i think when people's expectation um um is is being met with that kind of ritualized hypnotic induction um it makes a lot of sense to meet those to meet those expectations on occasion and and to give someone a little bit of what they want and make them feel as if you know i i think that their, their perspective and their their perception of it um matters greatly sure 100 um, percent um, um so so the, the question i'm really really wanting to ask you have you got a favorite hypnotic induction or or, or a couple of favorites like, like like your go-to ones or the things that you love doing or that you feel you're, you're extra slick at doing and and would you would you share that with us or talk us through it sure thing yeah um i mean there are like i said there are tons of different inductions and even even with the inductions that i've been using and that i've been teaching over the, the last few years um they themselves will change and develop uh, with time and with with use you know from from my end every 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 course that i teach um rapid inductions on 
I, I have people come who've been to past courses and they say, well, you didn't, you didn't teach it that way last time, you know, <laughs> and the, yeah. these things just do, do develop and it, it, it gets better over time, like yeah. fine whiskey or, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> you, you are organic. My, yeah, but my my favorite induction, and it, it kind of has been my favorite for, for a long time, is the Magnetic Hands uh, Rapid mm. Induction, um, which fundamentally is you know, having uh, having the person or people, uh, generally, generally the, the, the shock version of this, uh, which is my favorite, um, works best one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Um, you, you, can, you can obviously modify it to work with a group of people, but then you can't particularly introduce the shock element if you have too many people there. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, so would you like, do you want me to kind of break yeah. that down? Yeah, I can, yeah, yeah. I can, I can break it down. I can to. basically tell you what it is and then kind of break it down into more detail. If yeah, you please. Like. Um, so assuming that you're working one-on-one -on -one with someone, with a client or whatever, uh, you would have them, well, actually, initially, you would tell them what's going to happen. Um, I find that helps uh, the process quite a lot, especially with people who either ha haven't experienced hypnosis before or haven't experienced a rapid induction or, or are nervous about what's going to happen and maybe they have um, anxiety about whether they'll be able to do it. <laughs> so when you explain to them yeah. the process that, that it is actually a very simple thing and it's just using your imagination um, pretty much, that will tend to kind of allay their, their fears and worries and help the process become a lot more smooth. Um, people do ask me then, you know, it's, it's intended as a shock induction, which means you're supposed to take them by surprise in some way. Yeah. Uh, if they know what's coming, then surely it's not going to be a shock induction, uh, which is good. <laughs> it's a good question um that that aspect of it comes down to making the shock part shocking <laughs> and yeah. making it completely unexpected as much as you possibly can um and uh, you know that's that's something that the newbies um learning to do rapid inductions with shocks <laughs> it can take a little bit of getting used to doing that yeah um, but Again, that's why um, I, I generally suggest to people, if you get a chance to, uh, to to practice it rather than to read about it or to watch someone else doing it, that's the best way that you're going to get good at doing it because, you know, you, you can watch it and watch it and watch it and, until you actually do it and get used to the mechanics of it. Um, that's when you will actually, you know, develop those skills. But I'm going off on a tangent again. So, excuse me, I was just having a drink. Um the, the fundamental breakdown of it is you, you will explain to them the process, what's going to happen is your hands are going to be out in front of you a couple of inches apart. Yeah. Using the power of your imagination, your hands are going to come together like this, and I, I will push their hands together. Um, that, that's uh, again, It could be a good way to test for resistance, because if they resist that, they may resist the whole process. But again, that's going into yeah. too much detail. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. That, 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 I love the detail. Uh, good. Fantastic. It's just I've got to make sure I keep uh, an eye on what I'm actually saying. I, I do grow off sometimes. Uh, <laughs> so that that um, that tells them what's going to happen. That also preconditions them to actually do that motion. Um, 
and uh, yeah, it generally makes the process a lot smoother. Then I would suggest that you know when when their hands touch like that, they will go into a state of hypnosis and get their agreement that they're happy to do that, which is lovely. So then you start off hands back apart, about six inches apart. Um, have them focus on it and close their eyes and imagine that their hands have magnets and that the magnets are pulling together. Yeah. Um, sometimes that's enough for some people um, and, and that will just happen all by itself. Uh, other times you may need to use other, you know, constructs to get that to happen uh, because some people don't work well with imaginary magnets. They prefer imaginary elastic bands. Yeah, you know, yeah, of course. Kind of thing. Um, and I haven't found any correlation between, you know, which kinds of people respond best to which which thing. But uh, it does happen. So it's a good idea to remember that not everyone will respond the same way to the same metaphorical construct. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, at the point when the hands are then coming together, which generally they will. And uh, if they don't, then that's something to, to think about. in, in, in a, in a, I think we, we might talk about that in a little while um, yeah. rather than going off on another tangent. Um, when the hands start coming together, uh, as soon as they get kind of about an inch or a half inch apart, uh, you, you, you gently, although it doesn't always appear gentle, you gently push the hands together and down into their lap, yeah. uh, at which time you give the command to sleep. Uh, obviously, uh, as we know, they probably aren't going to sleep. Uh, <laughs> Because the only thing that is sleep is sleep. So uh, it's just that the, the association, the word sleep, hypnosis, the media, um, again, going back to what you said before about expectations, you know, yeah. a lot of the time their expectation is that you are going to say sleep because you're a hypnotist. And when you say that, they will go into hypnosis. And it's amazing that, you know, people, people who have never been into hypnosis are able to just to get there and get there at, at, at that rapid speed um, without having ever yeah. done it. Um, yeah. So you know that's 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 pretty cool, and that, that's pretty much that rapid induction. You know. And, and, and with regards to that, then do do, do you do? Um, it, is there a certain degree so to somebody that is that is just brand new, for example? Do mm -hmm. you do some kind of education or some kind of creation of expectation, um, 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 or, 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 or even model something for them to have an idea as to what what's expected of them in order for them to do it? Or, or do you just allow whatever whatever frame of reference they've got already that's pre-existing for them just to kind of step into that in their own fashion? Yeah, I mean, it's a good a good hypnotist for me will work with the client they have in front of them and work with their expectations um, yeah. rather than trying to force your own expectations onto a client when they might not gel, they might not fit. Um, so having having a good pre-talk or a good intake process, that's a, a key component of being successful, I, I believe. Yeah. Um, so you find out what their expectations are. You know, some people will come along and they say, well, you know, I, I do meditation all the time, so I'm pretty sure I'll just go into hypnosis really quick. Okay, that's great. Just close your eyes and go into hypnosis. <laughs> there you go. That's a rapid induction pretty quick um, brilliant but, yeah you know other other people will probably need a little more and they may have fears and worries about the whole process so you know it, it is important to kind of talk talk people through that um but again something that i, I tell everyone that i work with um and uh, this is you know clients or you know on on courses 
everyone's subjective experience of hypnosis is going to be slightly different to everyone else's. Uh, so you, you can't really tell someone exactly what is going to happen to them in hypnosis because yeah. obviously some people will be able to visualize stuff and, you know, other people will be paying attention to you the whole time or uh, and some will be just kind of drifting in and out. So <coughs> there, there, there's so much to go into. You can really, you know, <laughs> sit down and yeah. nail it all out before a session. Uh, <coughs> Absolutely. Um, um, you, you know, that, 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 that there's a lot of music to my ears in there. Um, oh, good. <laughs> you, you mentioned earlier, <coughs> excuse me, um, you mentioned earlier that um, um, w w w when you've been teaching um, and people have said, ah, you know, you, you did something different last time and so on, and that you've, you've developed um, um, as you've gone along, and, and that, that, that there are so many different, you know, inductions to choose from. Mm -hmm. I'm really interested, therefore, to 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 hear about any any particular thought process or, or decision making process you have that helps you choose which induction you're going to use with that particular individual. Um, um, do you have a specific process? Um, um, is there something that you can share with regards to that? Um, it's something that. Uh, I mean, like some some kind of internal process to to choose. I I don't have any real connection to that. Sure. <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, standard things. People coming in. So if someone is coming in for a stress session, or you know, they they the things that they are saying or the way that they're saying things w indicates that they have a very stressful life. They don't have a chance to relax. That kind of thing. Um, at which point I probably wouldn't use a rapid induction because they might actually benefit from a, a longer time in, in, you know, just, just purely relaxation. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that's something that, that would occur to me. Um, also, depending on the client you have in front of you, depending on their, their physical state. Um, so whether they have any injuries or, you know, ailments and obviously with rapid inductions, most of them are physical. Yeah. So that's something that you have to take into consideration because you can't, you know, be pulling someone's arm if they, they've got like tennis elbow or something or a bad wrist because you could make that worse. And, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, they, they, they may still go into hypnosis potentially, but they, they may, may not be entirely happy at that point. So, yeah, that's uh, safety is key uh, with with rapid inductions, especially with all hypnosis, really. But, you know, with <laughs> physical yes. safety and rapid inductions, yes, very important. Um, again, like, you know, even the, the, the standing up or sitting down debate and, you know, the, the, there are some hypnotists who's sitting down or laying down debate. You know, how, how do you do hypnotic? How do you want your, your client or clients to be during hypnosis? Standing, sitting, laying. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fan of having people sat um, simply because, A, they're, they're comfortable, they're less likely to stack it onto their face, um, which you don't <laughs> tend to which want. Is, which you know, is a bonus. Especially in a therapy session, you know, I don't, I don't know why you would do that. Um, but also, if you have them laying down, potentially there's a, there's a more direct association with actual sleep at that point. Um, in which case, if they are a fairly naturally um, a, a subject who will go deep into hypnosis, they can probably then transition a lot more easily into sleep, which you don't really want to happen either. Mm. Um, Again, I feel like I may have gone off on a tangent. No, no, no. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, um, you know, certainly within my within my own therapy rooms, um, um, I would 
I, I would have everybody sat. But but long gone are the days where where I have um, um, invested a small small fortune in in reclining chairs, for example, because sure. I would prefer them to be sat upright and be be attentive and engaged mm -hmm. in the process, as opposed yeah. to you know too too comfortable and dribbling down themselves. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think I would prefer them uh, um, um, very much. You know, the, the the kind of model and the approach that I would ad I adhere to um, um, is is very befitting of of rapid inductions. And for that reason, sure. I want them to be to be engaged and there with me, as opposed to zonking off too much. Yeah, um, um, yeah, yeah. And I yeah. mean, rapid rapid inductions. Obviously, they are they are a, a more collaborative process. They are more physical. You're not just being talked at. You have to actually be a part of the process. Which yeah. you know. Like you say, with with therapy in general, that should be what the therapy is like. It should it generally, you know, if you're having your if you're having your hypnotherapy done to you, and you're just sitting down and listening, um, the odds of it. I'm not saying every time, but a lot of the time, the success of that therapy it probably isn't going to be as high as it could if it was a collaborative process. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, I'm I'm with that a hundred percent. And um, also, I was going to say, also as well, you know, there there is the the whole thing with many hypnotherapists that they don't like to touch their clients. You know, they don't feel comfortable with that. Um, and again, if, if you're going to be doing rapid inductions, then that's something that you're going to have to get over pretty quick. Uh, because yes. with that, you have to you have to touch the clients, you know, whether it's just on the wrist or on the shoulder or something like that. But it's something that's good to get into the habit of doing because then that opens your, your therapy as a whole up to, to different things that you can do. You know, if you, if you don't like touching your client, you're probably not going to be doing any physical state anchoring um, by like tapping them on the shoulder or something like that um so you know yes. broad broaden your eyes also you know metaphorical things such as imagine all your troubles going into a balloon and the balloons attached to your wrists and it lifts your hand up you know um that's another thing that is a physical thing but it will help in some cases you know i wouldn't use it all the time um, but for some clients that would be a nice thing and that would potentially work very well in some cases yeah 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 i think it would um um, so uh, people want to go and and learn rapid inductions from you, Rory. Uh, is is it best that they just head to rory-z.com? Um, you can pretty much find everything there, whether it's the rapid induction book, the the course that I do, the one day course has been filmed, is on DVD, and that's Hypnosis 101, um, Learn to Hypnotize Fast, I think, <laughs> off the top yeah. of my head. Um, but yeah, otherwise, like I say, if you've if you've seen a book, a book or a DVD, and whether it's you know my book or someone else's book, there are a fair few you know things out there. Um, then a course is you know unless you're uh, unless you're really great at going out and doing stuff and practicing and just having a go and screwing things up once or twice to become better at it, which <laughs> there aren't quite as many of, of those people around. You know there are some, but the majority of people you know tend to do better in a course environment where they they can you know do it safely and they can get feedback from someone who knows what they're doing because yeah. they've done it thousands and thousands of times. <laughs> yes. But yeah, so you can you can grab those um, grab course places and everything on my website as well. So. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yes. Brilliant. Rory, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been great having you here on the show. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Rory Fulcher. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> great. For having, thanks for having me.
I really enjoyed that off air. I did ask Rory what the Z stands for in his name, and and he was not prepared to disclose. However much I tried Jedi mind tricks on him, his his vampiric skills resisted well. Uh, for that reason, I told him that I imagined it to be Zorro, and uh, in my mind, until he tells me otherwise, I believe him to be Rory Zorro Fulcher. Um, my heartfelt thanks for Rory um, um, featuring here on and being my guest uh, uh, on this week's edition. Um, so on to our evidence-based hypnosis factoid of the week. Um, the fact of the week is this, that hypnosis can advance other forms of psychotherapy. In a 1985 paper, uh, the prolific hypnosis researcher Theodore Barber states that administering suggestions in the context of hypnosis improves therapeutic outcomes by firstly generating positive treatment motivation and expectancies that serve as self-fulfilling prophecy. Secondly, um, it capitalizes on the patient's belief that the therapists who use hypnosis are more highly trained and knowledgeable. And that thirdly, permitting the therapist to talk to the patient in a very purposeful and meaningful way is ordinarily not possible in a two-way conversation. So um, um, this was this is what Barber contested were the were, were, were the were the factors that contribute to hypnosis being able to advance other forms of of psychotherapy, and and this was backed up incredibly well through. Um, um, through a meta-analysis by Irving Kirsch and colleagues, um, a paper entitled Hypnosis as an Adjunct to Cognitive Behavioural Psychotherapy, a meta-analysis, which was performed on a number of studies in which cognitive behavioural therapy was compared with the same therapy supplemented by hypnosis. And the results indicated that the addition of hypnosis substantially enhanced treatment outcome, so that the average client receiving cognitive behavioural hypnotherapy showed greater improvement than at least 70% of clients receiving non-hypnotic treatment. The effect seemed particularly pronounced, according to the study, for treatments of obesity, especially at long-term follow-up, indicating that unlike those in the non-hypnotic treatment, clients to whom hypnotic inductions had been administered continued to lose weight after treatment had ended. Um, and these were results were particularly striking because of the few procedural differences, really, between the hypnotic and non-hypnotic treatment. Um, the reference to the Kirsch, Montgomery and Sapierstein study, the meta-analysis, is um, listed over at this, uh, this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website. So, so that was it, um, that uh, hypnosis can advance other forms of psychotherapy, this week's factoid. That is it for this week's 67th edition. Um, I do have many more exciting guests that are welcome to Hypnosis Weekly in coming weeks. As I mentioned at the beginning of today's edition, uh, we'll be discussing, debating, celebrating and above all, remaining friends. Next time out, we have a special edition of the podcast where I'll be examining all things to do with hypnotherapy associations. Tune in for that. All the references made in the discussions, along with related links, are posted at each episode on the Hypnosis Weekly website, www.hypnosis-weekly.com. I absolutely welcome your thoughts, comments, suggestions and questions, so do please message me or add them on the Hypnosis Weekly website, and I'll make sure they are addressed, answered and explored accordingly. Do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else and really help us reach the hypnosis field. My thanks again to Rory Fulcher. My thanks for you for tuning in. My name is Adam Eason. This has been Hypnosis Weekly. Until next time, goodbye for now. 